The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N E U D A E, at New Day Music on Twitter for the song Lion Kings, song we're using as our intro this season, James. Today we're going to be looking at your latest Farm Futures piece, 20 hitter predictions. Should be fun. We're going to pick and choose ones here and there. We'll go through all of them on today's show, but you can check out James's full piece for yourself, redwire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. Before we do that, though, I want to get into the good, bad, and the ugly from last year's predictions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one ugly one in particular, but hey, I mean, we're all there. If, you, if you're going out on a limb with bold predictions, it's bound to happen. Yeah, I, you know, I, I wish that uh, I hit all of them, but you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have some hits and misses. I'm just you, you wanted to bat a hundred percent, as our president would say. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I wish I had done. Bat a hundred percent. Come on, man! That baseball is as American as apple pie. You got to know, got to know your numbers, or you got to know your terminology. That's why you know I hate when people say in baseball like, 
Oh, he scored. Who, who drove in those points? Sure. Like, you know Donald Trump says that. Or refer to the manager as the coach. Or you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll set aside the, the political talk and, and dive into these hitter predictions. Again, we're going to recap some from last year, though. The good, Yoan Moncada will finish the season as the top prospect in the game. Following the graduations of Byron Buxton and Corey Seager, he'll do so by hitting 20-plus homers and stealing 40-plus bases across three stops at high A and double A. Well, across stops at high A and double A. While also getting a two-week taste of triple A to close out the, the minor league season. How do you assess that prediction? Uh, we don't have to go through all the good ones because it just makes me uncomfortable. But um, <laughs> this one, like, I, I mean, I was obviously right about him finishing the year as the top prospect in the game. Uh, was slightly overzealous on the home run total. He only hit 15. Uh, and then I almost nailed the last part because I said he would get a, a two-week taste of AAA. He ended up skipping AAA and getting a two, two-week taste of the majors, basically. So, uh, I mean, that was more of a reflection of the Red Sox desperation than uh, readiness on Mankata's part. But, um, you know, that one wasn't all that hard. I think it was kind of a pretty clear-cut thing that, Mazzara and Buxton and Seager would all graduate and, and Mankata would be the, the top guy coming into this year. Well, you said you don't want to touch on all the good ones. I was just trying to butter you up before I, it you do, start I, picking I apart like these bad ones. I don't like that. I don't like... Uh, You're just I, ready I, to... I get really uncomfortable when, when people start buttering pra- praising me Praising so, Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, same. I'd rather talk about my my mistakes, honestly. Yeah, that's fine. We'll start with, <laughs> with those mistakes. And again, there's one in particular that we'll get to at the very end here. But Joey Gallo, you, you had him pegged as a guy who's going to be the talk of the minor leagues in the first half, leading major league and minor league hitters and home runs prior to a call-up in June or July. However, he may only get in the big league lineup a couple times each week unless Adrian Beltre or Prince Fielder suffer an injury. That's exactly what you wrote. Now, Gallo did hit 25 homers in the PCL, but... You know, not much of a major league impact, and he's kind of a forgotten man in drafts and auctions so far this season. Yeah, like li- literally, he's a forgotten man because there's been multiple times where I've forgotten about him, and then he's <laughs> gone, and then I was like, "Oh crap!" Like, yeah, I mean, we're talking deep leagues, keeper leagues, etc. But and he didn't uh, even go in the AL labor auction, right? Went in the reserves. Uh, yeah, two two deep uh, keeper leagues. I just finished up drafting. And in both of them, I lost track of Gallo. And then he went at a point where I would have been perfectly fine taking him if I'd remembered he was there. So if you still are in on Gallo, I think, I think, I know, I know, Clay, you said you, you might be out on him, but I, I'm, I think he's still young enough and, and the power is still enticing enough that I'm, I'm in at him, in on him at the right price. So if, if you are in on him, keep him in your queue because he, he gets buried in any type of, uh, you know, draft room that you're in, if you're just kind of searching via like, you know, projected stats or any kind of uh, sorting measure like that. So make sure he's in your queue if you do plan on taking him this year. Yeah, I'm kind of out of out on him and in, in mixed leagues. I did, I was the one who took him in AL labor in the reserves just because at that point, you know, there's upside worth gambling on, but not somebody in standard leagues I'm looking to draft this year. Moving on though, Jorge Mateo. Thought he would finish the season as a top three prospect for dynasty leagues. I mean, it's still good tools, but what is it, you know, aside from the results last year that has uh, kept him lower in the overall top four hundred? Uh, well, he's he's moved off shortstop. He, 
you know, I, I talked to a scout last year that was just raving about his makeup. And then of course he, you know, I raved about that and that prediction. And then he goes and gets suspended for insubordination. So essentially it, the exact opposite of what I said. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, he still has 80 grade speed. Uh, there's no reason he can't be sort of D Gordon 2.0, maybe at either second base or center field. So, I mean, he, he should still be valued, uh, fairly heavily. It's just now we're looking at a guy who doesn't have a super obvious avenue to an everyday job and a guy who still hasn't proven that he's going to be able to hit for a high average against upper level pitching. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. You know, I will, I just want to throw a little story out there relating to Staff Keeper League 2. And the owner shall not be named. He shall not be named. But apparently an owner turned down Mateo for a $3 Brandon Drury. And I just think that's a fundamentally wrong idea. There's a lot of tools here with Mateo. But if you look at a guy like this, 21 years old, yeah, but still at the lower levels, I think you... I always want to win now in fantasy, unless I'm full-blown rebuild. This owner wasn't. I just think you have to... I just think a lot of times these prospects, as good as they are, as a trade piece, they're overvalued a lot of times. You know, I think Drury's interesting. I, I, I'm i not... I, I don't... I'm maybe not as down on that guy turning that down as you are, just because I, I think there is a good handful of people that aren't sold on Drury as an everyday player or aren't sold on him being the type of player that you can't easily replace. Like there, if say he's just a second baseman that, that hits like two seventy and gives you 17 home runs a year, something like that. That's, that's a much easier guy to find than a guy that can steal you 50 bases in a year. So, uh, I understand it just based on the upside of the two players in question. And I don't, I don't think, just because like you or I might be high on jury doesn't mean everyone has to view him that way. I mean, if you're no, not, that's fine. If you're not a jury fan, I, I understand turning that down. No, I do too. I just think, I don't know. There's upside there with jury and getting a guy like that. who can help you now. Whereas Mateo, you know, he's probably what, what's your ETA for him? Uh, late 20, late 2018, late 2018. Yeah. So it's 2019 before you're really extracting much real value from him. I just think it's, Unless you're really looking long term, I think you should make try to make win now moves, especially if you're not tied to a certain prospect or if you have several in your on your minor league farm system that the, are better. Let's hit the worst one and then get to this this year's ones. Yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, so the worst one and look, these are bold predictions, but you deserve some flag for this one. Oh yeah. Colin Moran will come up. Yes, Colin Moran. The Colin Moran. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to a Colin Moran, will come up in the first half and trail only Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa in batting average as the team's starting third baseman for the final two-thirds of the season. Now, in case you forgot, Moran spent nine games at the major league level last season, hit 130 and only 259 at, at AAA. So what went wrong with this one? <laughs> uh well, I nailed the part about him coming up a third of the way through the season. I was <laughs> I was dead on there. Uh, yeah. They gave him that shot, and he um, he did not reward me or them. I think this is the trouble you can get into. Um, I think you know Moran. Obviously, it, it's 
there's not like every, every guy like this isn't going to have the same problem Moran had, but you can get in trouble when you look at a third base prospect or a first base prospect, uh, you know, a corner outfield prospect who has what you believe to be a really good hit tool, but really no other tools to speak of offensively in terms Mm -hmm. of speed or power. And sometimes those guys can make it, you know, like a a Martin Prado type of guy. Um, But I feel like more often than not, you know, because you have to hit at that point. You know, like Kyle Moran doesn't have big power that he can, you know, that, you know, if you own Kyle Moran in a league and he just completely whiffs last year, you can't be like, well, you know, at least he still has like 30 plus homer potential. Because now he's proven now he now he hasn't hit in a in a full season at AAA and the big leagues and that's all he has is his ability to hit. So if he's not doing that, then he has basically no value. So I think that's a dangerous type of prospect to kind of fall in love with. Yeah, you know he is, and I totally agree with you. I would say ask like, is there a guy that you're skeptical about who could get the call this year? You feel could you know follow a similar path to, to Colin Moran, but at the same time, if there were a player like that, you'd, you'd probably be more optimistic, like you were with Moran last season. But we'll get to your twenty hitter predictions for twenty seventeen. We're not going to touch on all twenty. We're going to pick and choose. So I'm going to jump down from Brendan Rodgers. You have a prediction for him, number one. Don't think he's going to reach the majors this year. So we'll go down to number two, Glaber Torres. You say he picks up where he left off in the Arizona Fall League and Grapefruit League making quick work of Eastern League pitching en route to a promotion to AAA in, mid, in mid-May. From there, he continues to rake, replacing Chase Headley at third base for the Yankees in early August. I'd say this one's pretty bold because a lot of people are expecting Torres to spend pretty much all of the season in the minors, but, uh, and I don't think people are really expecting him to come off of, of shortstop. But, of course, they have Didi hurt right now, but if he gets back you know, by, by early May... He should be locked in there as the everyday guy and should be when healthy regardless. But do you think Torres's bat will just force the Yankees' hand? Uh, yeah, I, I think he just – he might be this year's, uh, you know, Alex Bregman uh, type of hitter where it's just he's raking all year, like to a level where maybe the team planned on him staying at double A for – you know, the first half and a good chunk of the second half, but he just forces their hand a little earlier than they're expecting. And then he gets to triple a and doesn't slow down at all. And they just, you know, they're close enough in the wild card hunt and they're fed up enough with what they're getting from chase Headley that they make the move. Now it could be that Starling Castro is the guy that plays third and they put Torres at second. I mean, there's, there's multiple ways they could go about doing it. I don't think you see them moving, yeah, you know, well, I guess maybe you could you could see them moving Didi Gregorius to second and Castro to third and Torres to to short. Uh, I I agree he's a shortstop long term. Um, and and then it, this gets a little complicated, just like Bregman, where for him to get the call up, he has to move positions. Uh, that ended up happening with Bregman. It didn't take much time for him at third base before they made that call with him. So uh, a lot of variables here, but I think you know if you're looking for you know, top 20 prospect who isn't really getting targeted heavily in single season leagues that has the potential to, to really uh, push his way to the majors this year. I think Torres is a solid, solid bet. 
Number three here on your list, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets his first cold-weather exposure in the Midwest League as a newly turned 18-year-old and still hits 380, 360. 280. Sorry. 280. Yeah, 360, 360 would be kind of impressive, but also not really. I mean, he's drawing zero walks, but 280, 360, 460. Gets a taste of high A towards the end of the season and enters 2018 as a top three prospect for Dynasty Leagues. You know, I'm chomping at the bit to get a share of this guy. Offered one of our owners, Young Juan O, straight up for Guerrero in the league where I'm hoping to compete. Staff two got turned down, which I think is probably the right call for that owner. Yeah, that's the type of package where I think you'd have to start it there and just see where it goes. I know a lot of, you know, maybe not a lot of other sites, but, you know, half the other sites that do these rankings have Guerrero down you know like out out of the top 50 or so uh so i mean there there might be an owner in your league who has him and is willing to trade him for for less than claire i would but uh i think you know the the fact that they have him probably also means that they were in on him when he first signed so gonna be a hard hard guy to pry loose right now but he's also the type of guy where if you're contending this year and you have him he could bring you the haul that puts you over the top and lets yeah. you lets you fly a flag. So that's big, big haul. That's you know something you'd absolutely have to consider. I I am not above trading any prospect if it means winning a title that year. Uh, but you you got to be pretty sure about it in a, in the case of a guy like Vlad. Yeah, my attempt to get Vlad was totally that case where I was just trying to get a guy who'd have the most bang for the, for their buck in an in season trade, and I do feel like he could be a guy who. Returned several impact pieces in a deeper league. Now, with Vlad, we've talked about it before, but numbers against right-handed pitching, really encouraging. 282, 377, 482 at rookie ball last year. Numbers against lefties aren't particularly good, but those should balance out. And the fact that he's just hitting right-handers now is a really encouraging sign. Juan Soto, prediction number four in your latest article, you have him pegged to hit over 300 with double-digit home runs as an 18-year-old in the Sally League. Finishes the, year, finishes the year as a top-10 prospect for Dynasty Leagues. When we did the Staff Keeper League 3 reserve uh, draft after the auction on Sunday, he fell far too, far too far in that reserve round. I ended up kind of just lucking into him in, I think, the third round. Wow. Uh, and you have him as, like, a, what, a top 20-ish, top 30-ish? Uh, I have him in my top 40. So I think I have him. I think I have him like the early thirties, maybe. Obviously, proximity is not in his corner, but this is a, a talented, talented prospect. No, this is a this is a really high upside prospect who, uh, obviously, like you said, in in some leagues is getting undervalued. I got a question in the comments section of this article where a guy was like, "Yeah, like here's the guys that are going to be available for me," and it was like Juan Soto, and then like a bunch of guys that I have like. 50 spots lower down than him like he's he could be you know kind of this year's uh i mean ronald 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 acuna is is a guy that i i think of with him um where he gets into to low a ball and and just rakes from the get-go as one of the youngest players in the league Acuna uh, got hurt, cost him a decent amount of time, probably cost his prospect stock. Uh, he, you know, if he'd stayed at low A and stayed healthy, he might have even gotten a late season promotion, not promotion to high A. I think that that's possible with Soto this year. Uh, has 
30 plus homer power potential, a really good hit tool. This is the type of guy that you definitely want on your farm system. I love the guy in the comments who said, I have a Victor Robles clone for you. His name is Ronald Acuna. He put up great numbers in the Aust- Australian League. Just turned 19 in December, and you just said, I'm well aware of Acuna. He's our 16th ranked prospect. Uh, Thanks for the hat tip. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. Well, look, it's uh, Soto is the, the, the tools are very intriguing. It's a piece you're going to have to be patient with, but Really, it's a situation where you, you get this guy, and you're just hoping a year from now, the prospect or the, the trade value is, is through the roof, and can you can swing a deal to to help you in the short term. Or if you're planning long term, again, I don't typically like to do that, but uh, he's definitely a guy to target if you're taking a long term approach. Number five, Jesse Winker takes over as the everyday left fielder for the Reds on May first, posts an OBP over 350 while hitting double digit home runs. En route to a top three National League Rookie of the Year finish. We talked about him on last week's podcast. Since he didn't spend any time in the majors last year, the Reds could bring him up, what, April 15th and get an extra year of control? Maybe it's May 1. I think uh, it's about all it should take, about a month for Scott Shebler to play his way out of an everyday role. I think maybe the boldest part of this is the double-digit homers, but maybe that's not so bold in, in Great American Ballpark. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about Winker plenty. I, I think he does hit double-digit homers. If he g- comes up on May 1st, I think he's got enough power to probably do that in most parks. I think last year was just a, a total anomaly. Injuries contributed a, a factor there in terms of the power. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about Winker. Jake Bowers, good showing in Major League Spring Training. This guy's just 21 years old, but four home runs with the Rays. During spring action, seven extra base hits, 41 plate appearances. Pretty impressive. When you're, you're looking at his 2017 season, you say that he has the chance to to make his Major League debut just before the All-Star break, hit over hit 265 with eight home runs over the rest of the season. Again, the, the stock has been ticking up uh, with his strong play in, in spring ball, but we didn't really see anybody leap up especially high to take him in the staff keeper league three reserve. So I feel like there's uh, quite a bit to like here, especially at his current price. But when looking at your overall top four, uh, 400 Bowers is 45. How close is he to, to bumping up and jumping guys like Winker and Telez? Uh, I thought about it. Um, I thought about it a little bit today, actually I thought about moving him up, but you know those other guys are they're great prospects too. I think the, all those guys in that range are, you know, you could be high on any of them over the others. I I think Bowers, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Nomar Mazzara, just in how uh, his path through the minor leagues and and his age. You know, he he's not going to turn twenty two until after this season. If he does get to the big leagues at all, I think that that's a, quite an accomplishment, and and that would even qualify as a bit of a bold prediction just given given his age and the fact he hasn't played at AAA yet but I think the the bat is is advanced uh, I mean that's kind of what we talk about with Mazzari he's just so advanced for his age in the box uh I think that that's the that's the type of hitter Bowers is and the question with him was always going to be was he going to hit for enough power to profile either in an outfield corner or at first base and I think now he's he's starting to answer that question with what he's doing this spring and uh yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes to show that if a guy has 
that elite hit tool, you have to continue to bet on him and continue to bet on on the, him developing the power. It's a lot easier to do. It's a lot easier to start out with the hit tool and then get the power than it is to start out with the power and then get the hit tool. Absolutely with you there. Quick note, Auto New Fantasy Baseball lets you build your fantasy baseball dynasty the same way major league GMs do. It's better fantasy baseball, auction-based, deep rosters in the full minor leagues in the player pool. Get the next Mike Trout or Carlos Correa while they are at single A. Trade for superstars midseason to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy baseball competition on the internet. Auto New Fantasy Baseball. That's www.ottoneu.com. Back to your 20 hitter predictions here, James. Uh, again, we don't want to touch on every one of these, but Lucas Ersig, I mean, kind of going in order since skipping Brendan Rodgers at the top. Lucas Ersig's kind of a big, I don't want to say a pop-up prospect because, you know, he started making making some waves last year, but I know a guy like Bernie Pleskoff, our friend Bernie getting eyes on him this spring, and he says he might be his next, quote, guy. <laughs> I love Bernie. I love uh, love when he when he makes his mark on a guy. And, uh, it's typically right, so. Yeah, uh, Ersig. You know, one of the guys that I got to see when I was down there at spring training. Again, I wasn't wasn't really scouting there. I was I was drinking and watching baseball at the same time, which is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, but Ersig sure. happened to be playing in one of those games, and he, uh, I mean, he looks legit. I, he could actually stand to add a little bit of weight. He he doesn't really look, um, doesn't look as built as his numbers might suggest and his position might suggest. You know, he he. Kind of and almost, not swole. Yeah, he. I mean, he kind of looks like he could play up the middle almost. You know, that's that's where he's at physically right now. But he uh, has big raw power. I think that he could. He could even get. You know, he only finished the year at low A last year. I actually wouldn't be that surprised if they had him skip high A altogether and got really aggressive and sent him straight to straight to Biloxi at double A. Uh, they might they might not do that, but I think he will force the issue and get and get moved up to Double A. Uh, Another possibly. guy who's had a really nice showing in big league spring training. Not as many opportunities as Bowers, but definitely holding his own. I mean, I think the fact that he's even getting, you know, he's he's getting sim- he was getting similar run to a guy like Lewis Brinson, and Brinson finished here at Triple A. He finished here at Low A, so that kind of tells you what the Brewers think about him internally. Uh, Definitely a guy that if if you like him, you should get aggressive with him in your dynasty drafts because everyone's pretty much aware of, of what he's capable of at this point. We'll skip your Delvin Perez prediction here and go to Aaron Judge. You're thinking he's going to strike out over 35% of the time, get sent back to AAA by mid-June, then tied into your next one. Clint Frazier ends up replacing him with a mid-June call-up. Aaron Judge is, you know, the, the price is low because everybody sees those warts in his game, the holes in his swing, ton of power upside. But if you had to put a chance on you being wrong on this, I mean, what, what do you think the odds are that he ends up sticking out the whole year and is a useful fantasy option? Uh, Say like less than 25%? No, I mean, he's, I, I would say... 45 percent i mean i know that's sort of hedging but uh you know he's got enough power if if he sticks up for the whole year that means that he's 
hitting at least, you know, 235, 240. And if he's doing that, he's going to give you enough power to be useful in deeper leagues. Like, he could sort of be an uh, outfield version of Chris Carter almost. You know, I mean, he's got that kind of raw power. It's just, will the Yankees be willing to deal with that all season and let him kind of fail to to that extent if, if he's only hitting, say, 215, 220, striking out a ton when they have guys – like Clint Frazier, like Dustin Fowler, or even even a guy like Billy McKinney, who's who's not the same caliber of of prospect. But I mean, you have guys that might be ready for their chance, and you might have a guy who's clearly, you know, not taking the most uh, advantage of his. So I, I, that's why I kind of I see him getting moved down. Skip over Trent Clark and go to Manuri Sierra. Love this name. He's yet to play above Low A. He actually repeated Low A last year. Do a lot better results, but you think he's going to spend the bulk of the season with Double A Springfield? Finish the season as a top fifty prospect for dynasty leagues. As I said, repeating Low A last year, and we, we did finally start to see. You know, I was impressed with the way he responded to that demotion back to rookie ball, and then we returned to Peoria this year. And I think just seeing those raw tools start to translate—that's the first sign. And you think this year he takes the next step forward? Yeah, he's been getting. Uh, really rave reviews from the big league coaching staff uh, during spring training. And <clears throat> he's probably the best defensive center fielder in the entire organization right now. And I think that'll serve him very well in getting aggressive assignments. You know, he, he might, the bat might prove to be a little overmatched against double A pitching. And I think that that would be completely expected and, and not, not a reason to ding his stock at all, but I just think that they're gonna they're gonna push this guy aggressively just because they love his glove so much. Yeah, and I think another reason they should push him aggressively is the fact that they had to add him to the forty man this winter. Yeah, uh, for Rule Five protection, but he's twenty. Now that he's on the forty man, you got to figure out what this guy is. I mean, yeah, and and guys like this, <clears throat> like the the guy that could hit, you know, two two eighty, two eighty five, and steal thirty plus bases. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. That's basically what we're talking about with with Manny Margot when we, we when we pump him up. So I mean that that that's a package that is probably getting a little undersold right now in dynasty leagues, and I think this is a, a good time to inquire about him. Let's talk about Lucius Fox. I just want to touch on all the prospects I drafted nice. in staff three. That's fine. I'm just going to entertain myself. <laughs> you can listen along if you want. Uh, you have Lucius Fox, of course, came over. Uh, from San Francisco, you have him hitting over 275 with 20 plus steals for low A Bowling Green before a midseason promotion to high A Charlotte. Really tough, tough season last year. Hit only 207 with a 305 on base, 277 slug with 27 or 25 stolen bases. And this kid is again just 19 years old. So I, I think there's people are maybe overlooking this kid. I know he's a long ways away, but he, he kind of reminds me of. I mean, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe the uh, the comp isn't really fair, but kind of reminds me of a, a guy like, uh, who the hell is the Yankees? I'm sorry, I'm kind of scatterbrained right now. But uh, Jorge Mateo. Mateo. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a whor- poor Jorge Mateo. Poor man's Jorge Mateo you can get. <laughs> Maybe like seventy five picks later. He's he's richer than than Jorge Mateo thanks That's to true. that uh, that signing bonus. But he he actually kind of reminds me a little bit of of Sierra, uh, who we were mm. just talking about, in the fact that 
Sierra failed at, at low A his first time around, then returns there and dominates. And I, I think you're going to see sort of the same thing from Fox, where he, it was an aggressive assignment for him. He goes back this year, looks like a completely different player. Uh, huge speed. If he, if he stayed there all year, I would say, you know, 40 steals, 45 steals. But I am, I am predicting a, a promotion just because he does have those 75 games at low A already under his belt. Um, this is a perfect time to buy on him because uh, you just look at what he did last year. I'm sure plenty of his owners are just kind of like, you know, if I get a good enough offer, I'll cash it in right now. And uh, I don't think his, his price will stay that low for very long. Yandy Diaz, prediction 18 on your list. You predict he logs more MLB plate appearances and posts a higher weighted runs created plus for the Indians in 2017 than Bradley Zimmer, which I think is interesting because I kind of have Greg Allen as the guy as the sleeper to maybe beat out Zimmerman for or Bradley Zimmer for playing time. But you think Diaz shines through and ends up uh, coming through to the major leagues? Yeah, I just I mean, this is more I would I'd prefer to have Bradley Zimmer to Andy Diaz in a dynasty league this is just kind of where i think these two guys are developmentally i think diaz is ready for the big leagues like i think he if if he made the big league roster out of spring training i think he could hold his own uh he can play third base he can play a little bit of the the corner outfield spots pretty versatile player zimmer to me needs a bit more seasoning at triple a i think he would possibly not hold his own even after two or three months down at triple a if he comes up i could see him having uh, the same type of issues we talked about there in judge uh he does fill a need i mean they have a need in the outfield but i mean diaz's versatility might be a, a point in his favor his, his the fact that he doesn't really have anything to prove at triple a i mean if you look at what he did at triple a last year he you know he wasn't really challenged whereas i think Z- zimmer obviously was so i think that that's why I think he gets more plate appearances. At long term, I'd rather have Allen Zimmer than Diaz in that order. But I think uh, this 2017 season is Diaz's chance. For those younger guys who have been talking about being on a roll in spring training, that's great to see when they're 21, 22 against major league competition. For a guy like Diaz, 25 years old, what I primarily look for is like walk decay, and he's got six walks to only three strikeouts in big league camp. Yeah, so it seems I mean, like he's got a pretty good control of the strike. He's got the profile of an older player who can make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, the the guy that's 25, 26 who is striking out 25% of the time and walking 5 or 6% of the time. That's a guy who almost always just falls flat on their face against big league pitching. Diaz though, you know, for whatever reason it it took him a little bit longer, but I, I think he is ready for big league pitching. Matt Chapman hits 15-plus home runs and fewer than 70 games with AAA Nashville, earning a late June call-up, subsequently strikes out over 35% of the time in the majors, while hitting under 230, which earns him a demotion back to the Pacific Coast League in late July. So this is one that people should maybe keep in the back of their minds you know, for the summer months when maybe he gets the call and he's a hot addition, but you're offering a, a wise word of caution here. I think he's going to be... At some point this year, I think he's going to be a huge fab drain where, you know, if you want to go get him, it's going to cost you 25, 30% of your fab budget because there's going to be people being like, oh man, the power's legit. The power's legit. And, you know, he's going to get every day at bats. And then he's going to come up and he's going to just murder your batting average. He's going to maybe hit 
Probably like Aaron Judge last year. Right, right. Uh, just don't overreact to what he does at AAA. He has taken advantage of advantageous hitting conditions before in the minor leagues without putting up the the numbers in terms of strikeouts uh, and walks that, that make you think it's sustainable in a neutral environment. So I, I just... The power is legit, but you know at what cost? I, I think he's a guy to definitely not break the bank for if he does get a call this year. Well, you say Matt Chapman's power is legit. You seem far more skeptical about Dylan Cousins' power. Led the minors with 40 homers at AA reading last year. You predict him to hit fewer than 25 homers. The batting average below 250 at AAA Lehigh Valley. Why the skepticism? This one, it honestly, is one of the... In my opinion, it's one of the least bold ones just because if you know anything about reading, uh, if you, the ballpark at reading, if you dig into uh, Dylan Cousins' splits, it's pretty clear that he was taking full advantage of his environment last year. I don't think those, I don't think the skills are there in terms of, I mean, he still struck out over 30% of the time, even when he put up those cartoon numbers at reading last year. I think you take him out of that park. Uh, I, I just don't see the production really being there. I think he completely falls off as a prospect and is he's just a guy I'm I'm way down on. I think if you can get anything for him in a dynasty league right now, I think now's your chance. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, before we let you go, James, you mentioned that you were thinking about moving Jake Bowers up earlier today. Any prospects that you have tweaked on your overall top 400 in, in recent days or weeks? Yeah. I mean, everyone's kind of talking about Mitchell white with the, the Dodgers, he was their second-round pick last year, uh, redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, when they took him, he was seen as kind of a pretty safe but unexciting, maybe number four, number five starter type. Uh, this year, though, he's he's touching uh, 97, I think, with his fastball, showing a plus breaking ball. Uh, you know, he, he's starting to look like a potential number three maybe number two starter. I moved him from, I think I had him just inside the top 300. I moved him all the way up to 110 overall. I mean, that that's how big this of a change there's been in the scouting report uh, with him. So that's, that's a guy that if you did your dynasty league drafts, say a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he might've gone completely undrafted, even in, even in a really deep league. So I would go check and see if Mitch White for the Dodgers is out there because he is starting to look like a legit mid-rotation guy. And we at the Rotowire Prospect Podcast are sad to report that Dan Vogelbach, Swaggy V himself, did not make the opening day roster. Option down to Triple A Tacoma. You still think he's going to be a guy who makes an impact, pretty significant impact this year? You know, I never really thought he would make a pretty significant impact. I thought he would be up all year, and I thought he would hit, you know, 17 18 homers 260 average something like that it's not a big mixed league impact but like only leagues that's pretty pretty uh useful yeah uh he's a guy that was always sort of more of a 2018 2019 guy for me um this only kind of solidifies that more um i don't it it's surprising yet not surprising i guess is how i would phrase it i mean they were also trying to teach him first base 
And even when you heard them say nice things about the work he was doing at first base, that's just almost always BS. Um, when we, when we know when we've all we've heard about guys is that he can't play first base, and then the coaches are like, "Hey, he's really you know he's really putting in a lot of time there. You know, really mm, sure. like what we're seeing. Like it's like okay, yeah, whatever." Um, he's a DH to me. He's always been a DH. Maybe they they send him down, and he he works a little bit more on on his first base defense during games. Um, but really, long term, he is their DH of the future, not their first baseman of the future. Well, James, we appreciate the insight. As always, great stuff. You're doing the pitcher predictions next week? Yes, sir. Well, we look forward to that. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.